Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. I love that song so much, and I'm reminded that, uh, you know, I've been reading the book of Romans uh, over and over and over and over and over and over this week, uh, just praying about where we might land today and where. Uh, the Lord might have us, and it has been the hardest week for me uh, to land. And as I've read uh, the scriptures over and over, I'm reminded that there is so much truth and so much uh, that God has for us in uh, this great work uh, of the Apostle Paul that he's written to the church at Rome, written, written to the Romans. And we read in, in Romans 3, I believe it's verse 27, that there's no room for boasting. And I, I'm reminded this morning as we uh, sing that song, right, when the race is complete, yet my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but Christ in me. When we get to heaven, we're not going uh, to be praising anything that we've done to get ourselves there, right? We're not going to be uh, rejoicing in all these things that we've done that some of us earned uh, a right standing before God, but we're going to stand before a holy God. And, and it is going to be because we've been united with Christ, that, that through the work of Christ, we've been united with him in his death. We've been raised to newness of life, and we long for that day, right, that we will be in his presence where we can praise and rejoice and worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, as we dig in this morning, uh, 2 Corinthians eleven three. 3, there, there's a, a verse in there, and I was watching the lights kind of flashing at the beginning, and, and today's going to be just a day that we're just going to lean into the purity of the gospel, right, and, and the simplicity of the gospel, and the Apostle Paul said he was worried that the serpent that deceived Eve, Eve would distract and 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 get folks in a place that, they, that, that their attention was drawn away from the simplicity of the gospel. And we are going just to lean in there uh, this morning. We're going to be in uh, the book of Romans, so you can take your copy of God's Word. Uh, and if a light flashes, I, I want to pray for us in these, these moments and just pray that God uh, would just remove distractions. And if the distractions are, are there in any way, that He would allow our, our minds and our hearts just to center and focus on Him. Father, we are grateful for Your Word. God, we know that it is the inerrant and infallible word of God that you've given to us as a gift of grace, God, that it is, uh, as we'll see in your word next week, Lord, that it is uh, the way that you've chosen, Lord, for us to, uh, to know you, God, and, and, to, and, and you've chosen through your word to reveal yourself to us, Lord, in special revelation, God, that we might know who you are, Lord. Creation declares your glory, God. Generally, all the world is able to see your greatness and your good as they look at the works of your hand, but God, through your word, Lord, you have revealed yourself to us, Lord, and we pray pray, God, that as we open your word today, Lord, as we lean in uh, to the truth of your word, God, that you would use it to change us from the inside out, Lord. Your word tells us that faith comes by hearing and that hearing comes by the word of God. And Lord, as we proclaim your word this morning, God, I pray that you would uh, cause it to produce faith in the lives of those uh, that are hearing it, Lord, and that you might change us from the inside out, Lord, that you might let us see us, uh, God, that you might let us see ourselves for who we are, God, that we might see you in your greatness, Lord, and that we might be changed by your grace. God, we love you. We pray, God, for uh, just your work to be great this morning in our lives. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. You know, as we uh, open the, the, the book of Romans, there's so much there. And, and as I've been reading it this week, it's like, where do you, 
where do you land? Like, where's a place that you preach from uh, as we are reading the scriptures together? And uh, I want to give you just a little bit of just how Romans is laid out. So as we begin uh, in Romans 1, we see in Romans 1, beginning in verse 1 through about verse 17, uh, we're just going to see the importance of the gospel. And we know uh, we're going to see just incredible uh, truth, right, as we open the word of God this morning. Then from verse 18 all the way through uh, a good portion of chapter 3, we're going to see how we are all uh, under the condemnation of God, the just condemnation of God. We're going to see that, and, and it's kind of one of these pictures. I remember when I, I was buying an engagement ring for my wife, I was looking at all these stones, they were loose. And I remember when I saw these stones, there was a, a, a jeweler there and I was trying to pick just the right one, right? And I was looking at all those and he took out this black, a little velvet kind of piece of, of, uh, of, cloth, right? And he lays it down. And against that backdrop, he laid those diamonds down. And as the light would glisten off those against that backdrop of darkness and against that black drop, right? They, there was such a beauty about those diamonds, right? And I was able to see them. And that's what we're going to see in Romans, right? The Apostle Paul is laying a foundation for this beautiful truth that we're going to see in the last part of chapter three, all the way up through the end of chapter five. And we're going to see that, that we were condemned, right? That everyone, both the Jew and the Greek, is condemned under the just condemnation of God, uh, but we're also going to see at the end of chapter 3, all the way to the beginning uh, or to the end of chapter 5, we're going to see that we are justified by faith in Christ Jesus alone, right? And we're going to look at justification. That's a word uh, that we see uh, just revealed in the book of Romans. Then Romans 6 uh, through the end of Romans 8, where I was really hoping to preach today, and I was really, uh, as I read Romans 8, uh, what Barnhouse, who was this, this great commentator, he said that everybody's Bible, when it drops on the ground, that it all just open to Romans 8 because it is such a powerful passage of scripture, right? It's such a, a scripture that reminds us in Romans 6 all the way to the end of Romans 8, we see uh, the sanctification work of God. So we see justification through faith in Christ, this positional righteousness that we are declared righteous. We're going to talk about that. And then in Romans 6 to the end of Romans 8, we see that practically the Spirit of God is doing something in us as we walk in Christ, as we're united in Christ, as we sing that song, uh, yet not I, but Christ in me. What gift of grace it is that we've been united with Christ. That's what Romans 6 says. It says we've been buried with him in baptism and raised uh, to walk in newness of life. The Spirit of God leading us in that. Romans uh, 9 through 11, we're seeing how he is dealing uh, with the Jews. In, in Romans 1, we see Romans 1, 16. It says that, that we, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God. It is for salvation, both to the Jews and the Greeks, both to the Jews and the Gentiles. In Romans 9 through 11, we see uh, how he is restoring and working amongst the Jews. And then uh, Romans 12, we have another therefore. We're going to see a therefore uh, today, just a really incredible moment, right? We have a therefore uh, in Romans 12, and we see from Romans 12 all the way uh, to Romans 16, right? We see uh, that there's this beautiful reminder, right, of what is happening as practically we live out this Christian life. And so we're going to jump in. We're going to be in Romans uh, chapter 3 today. I was thinking about this passage, and I was reminded of some t-shirts I see sometimes. Sometimes we try to communicate the gospel. Romans is a, is a book that is about the gospel, and we are uh, those who have received the gospel. It came to us on its way to somebody else, right? It, it's not uh, meant to stay there. And so I saw some t-shirts. Sometimes I wonder how well we do in some of that. You'll see the first one uh, on the screen here. Uh, try Jesus, but don't try me. He's still working uh, on me, right? Now, it's not necessarily one that's getting a whole lot of traffic, right? We, we see uh, somebody wear those kind of things. I saw one there. They said half hood and half holy. It's um, it, it, interesting choices. Here's the next one. 
This actually, this actually what the first three chapters pretty much are all about uh, in uh, the book of Romans, right? Y'all need Jesus, right? We all need Jesus. Here's another one. Get right or get left, right? And I don't know how many people have read that and been like, this is my day, right? I don't know. I don't know. But here's the thing. When, when we think about that word, there's been a lot of times in my life that people have said, hey, you know what? Um, I, I want to know that I'm right with God. This past year, uh, there was a lady that called me and she said, my dad is not doing well. He has cancer. And I was wondering if you could come see him because he is not sure he is right with God. And what we're going to see today is the book of Romans gives us instruction. We're able to see uh, so much, right, about what it means to be right with God. And we live in a culture, we live in a world uh, who is so confused with what it means to be right with God. And so in Romans 1, verse 16, we read it, we, we shared it earlier, but I'm, Paul says this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And, and, and here's what we need to know about this time. He said it is the gospel. It is, it is the, the power of God uh, for salvation for both the Jew. And the gospel would have been offensive right to the Jews to think that the Messiah uh, would suffer and die. And, and these Christians, they were saying that the gospel had freed them uh, from the power of the law. The, the scripture says that in Romans 3, right, in Romans 3, uh, verse I believe verse nine, right? That we are under the law, right? And they've been saying that, hey, the gospel had freed them uh, from this, right? And so they were, uh, they were looking at these and they were saying, hey, this is a gospel of lawlessness, right? This is a, uh, to claim freedom from the Old Testament law. This is crazy, right? And the Greeks, they were people that worshiped many gods and for uh, Christians to come and say that there's only one God, that there's only one way, right? It was offensive uh, to them, Verse 18 uh, through chapter 3, verse 20, uh, this thought of condemnation, right? All of humanity is under the condemnation of God. The best and worst of us are under uh, condemnation, and it's this just condemnation. Paul gives them this, this reality of just how lost they are, how desperate we are uh, for uh, our salvation, how desperately we are in need of God's grace, Romans 1 reveals that God is creator. We see him in that light. Romans 2 gives us this picture of him being the judge, right? And in the last part of Romans 3, we see that not only is he a judge, but he is the just judge, right? That he is a, a God uh, who uh, is creator, judge, and who is just in everything that he does. He gives a demonstration, right, and shows the Greeks that without the law, that he has revealed himself, himself to them in nature. Uh, he... he speaks to those with the law. He says to the Jews, you, you've had the law, but he said, you've chosen to rebel. You've chosen and knowingly have, have willfully sinned against God. We, we, we know many verses in Romans, right? Many of us have learned the Romans road at some point along the way. We may not understand the full context of all of it, but we know some of those things. We read in Romans 3.10, the scripture says that there's none righteous, not even one. And that's the context of this. He's saying, hey, listen, both for the Jews and the Greeks, he said, there's none righteous, not even one. He goes on in the next verse and says that there's no one that seeks after God, that, that this is uh, this reality for everyone, that you are without excuse a really rugged picture of our depravity, of who we are apart 
from Christ. The scripture says that our righteousness, right, is as filthy rags in his sight. This is who we are. This is the black backdrop that is so difficult in the midst of this. This is the black drop. And all of a sudden, in Romans chapter 3, everything changes. And against that backdrop of darkness, the diamonds begin to come out. And in verse 21, uh, we're going to just open the word of God and look there. And there's this incredible shift. And this is one of the most incredible passages in all of the scripture. And as we as we read these together, I want to remind you of, of a truth from the very beginning. If you, if you take notes, if you're following along in the app, there's only one way. And I want, to, I want to just paint this at the very beginning. There's only one way to be made right with God. And what we see in this passage is what we couldn't do, what the law couldn't do, that God does in Christ. Verse 21, but now. Two incredible words. Martin Lloyd-Jones called these the two greatest words in all the Bible because it lets us see against the backdrop of all that darkness that we are not left with only the judgment of God. He says, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. So for both the Jew and the Greek, God has provided his righteousness for all who believe. We're reminded, right? Romans 3.10, there's none righteous that we all deserve his judgment. The next verse, uh, verse 23 says, for all have sinned, right? Past tense, we all have sinned and continually we fall short of the glory of God. All of us mess up. And the reality is that we don't measure up. When we read this word sin, when we read this word, it's a word uh, in this passage that would refer, it's an archery term, and it would be this picture of missing the mark. It would be this picture of, of, of an archer shooting and missing the mark. And, and what we see in the scriptures is that anything less than the standard of God uh, falls short. I, I, I don't know. I was thinking about kind of an illustration for some of this, and, and I, was, I was remembering when my kids were small, we had gotten some Dollywood season passes. I don't know if any parents have ever been in that mode, right? But as our kids get a little bit older, th this is going to like reveal just how much of a sinner I am, right? So here we are. And so we're, this is just how it works, right? So we're at Dollywood and, and there's rides. And if you look up on there, there's a ride list. And as our kids get a little bit older, you're going to see that like the first ride, you got to be three foot tall, right? So you got to be three foot tall and they got this little measure and the kids come up and they back up against it, right? And they, they stand there and they stretch a little head up. And then all of a sudden you get a little bit taller, right? You got 40 inches. You can get on some of the rides. Then like some of the big rides, you got to be 48 inches tall. And, and so you get up there and our kids get a little bit bigger. And every day, like Grant would go up to that little thing, right? And Hope was able to ride by that point. It wasn't quite as big a deal when she couldn't ride because nobody could ride, right? And so then all of a sudden, though, when she could ride, we'd all hop on and Grant would be left behind, right? And so he would back up to that little thing. He would get all against it, right? And he would look and, and we'd be cheering like from the back. We'd be like, stretch, like with everything, you got like, and, and then, and then like, cause he didn't meet the standard before we would go, I'd be talking to Sherry. I'd be like, but get them big socks and look for those. Don't look at me like I'm bad. Y'all done the same thing. Every like we all have sin and false. You're right. You're like, get the thick sole shoes. And when you get in there, stand as much as you can on your tiptoes without them knowing, right? You're trying everything and you can because he's not meeting the standard, right? This is where it's at. And so, so we're thinking about that. But when we think about this, uh, this standard that God has, that we think about this where we're like almost there. But the, but the reality is like we're not even close. So uh, we've we got a basketball goal uh, in our trampoline. And I want to tell you all, like I'm excited. Y'all didn't know this. When you're looking at me, you wouldn't think, but I can dunk. Like I can. I can dunk. I'm like... I'm not really good at it. I can Michael Jordan it. Like I can jump up. We, we, 
me and Grant had COVID like a few weeks back. We played, we played COVID together on the, on the trampoline. It was like instead of horse, we just did C, O, V. That's what we did. That's what we did. And, and so we're, <laughs> I'm, I embarrassed my wife, I think, but that's okay. And so she was right there with me, staying on your tiptoes. Don't think she's holier in there. We all did it. We all did it. And so, and so here we are, though. I can dunk a basketball. But here's the thing, though. You take me, like, to the regular basketball goal, uh, and, and I try to do that. I miss the mark, right? But, but here's the thing. If you put a basketball goal 50,000 feet up, and then you watch me run and try to jump and try to get in there, there's a distance that is not even comprehensible. And, and, and here's the thing. The standard of God, the holiness of God, and his standard of perfection, it is so far above anything that we could ever attain. And, and we miss it by so much, right? And we think of righteousness uh, as humans. A lot of times we think about it in comparison to other people. We say, hey, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, the only thing I'm doing is trying to stretch my kid just a little bit, get him on the ride at Dollywood. I mean, I looked at the news today and there's people murdering. There's people doing all these kind of things, right? But we're measuring against other people instead of God's standard of perfection, right? And, And it's so infinitely greater than we could ever imagine. And because God is holy and he can't allow sin into his presence, right? our sin, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, and, and we are separated from God because of our sin. And sometimes we say, hey, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to try to do better. I, I'm going to be a little, a little uh, better about this. I'm going to quit trying to tell my kids to stretch up, and I'll just let them miss the thing. I'll, I'm going to try to do better in all these different ways. But here's the truth, right? We cannot be made right through the law. We cannot be made right by doing good deeds. We cannot be made right by by trying to perform better. Romans 3.20, if we go back just a little bit, it says, Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin, right? Through the law, we understand our sinfulness. We understand uh, what kind of mess that we are in, right? This is the, the way that the law works, right? When we look at and we measure our lives against the holiness of God, or if we just measure against the Ten Commandments, right? If we say, hey, uh, I'm a pretty good person, and, and, and I'll say, how about y'all? Anybody lied? And some of y'all might be like, hey, well, yeah, but that was before Jesus. But the reality is, like, like post-Jesus, we're still uh, struggling at times. Romans 7, we read about Paul, and, and he's giving this per- perspective of what it looks like for us to try in our own strength, uh, to, to live in our own strength. He said, the things that I want to do, those are the things I'm not doing, right? But then in Romans 8, 1, he he gives this beautiful picture, right? And he says, therefore, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we will never measure it up on our own. The law reveals, right? We look at the Ten Commandments. We say, hey, um, anybody lied? And some of us say, well, we're not that bad. How many of you have clicked in the last month on one of those things that says, I've read the terms and agreements to all these things? <laughs> Ain't nobody in here read all that. None of us, right? We we read those kind of things. It says, hey, did you read all the terms and agreements and you agree to do that? And we're like, yes, immediately. Like, please, anything but reading all that stuff, right? We, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Speaking of the trampoline, when I fell off the trampoline, my wife took me to the emergency room. And when they did the x-ray, they looked at my shoulder and they said, yes, your shoulder has a broken bone in there. But they could have took a thousand x-rays, right? And it wouldn't have made it any better. But it revealed the brokenness that was in me. And that's what the law does. As we look at the law, we see our sinfulness. We see how broken that we are. 
And what we find out, man, is there's a problem on the inside. And it's not just this, this thing that we have lied. It's this reality that we are liars and that there's a heart problem that we have, right? The scripture says in Romans 5, 12, that as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men because all have sin, right? It reveals this problem that we have. Kaysen Chufo is kind of my, my joke guy. Kaysen, where you at right here? Kaysen, uh, Kaysen gave me one. He said, uh, why did uh, the balloon go to jail? And so I don't know if anybody's got an idea on that. Anybody? Kaysen, what is it? Yeah, he broke the law of gravity, right? And so... And so the law reveals to us. Thank you, Casey. Casey's my joke guy. He's been helping me. Um, and, and so I appreciate that. But, but listen, we have broken God's law, right? And we understand that, that this is revealed to us, right? That the law has revealed uh, just our, our need for salvation, our need for his grace. And, and the third thing I want you to see this morning is that we are made right by his grace. Look at verse 24. He says, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. God has provided his righteousness by his grace. We, we see this word justified, and, and some, of the, some of this chapter has some pretty big words along the way, but this word justified simply means declared righteous. And so we are justified, we are declared righteous by his grace. And it gives this picture, it's a legal term, it gives this picture of our standing before uh, a judge and, the, and the, the determination of this legal standing determines the future, right? If this person uh, is justified, if they're declared righteous, uh, this is what we see here. So by, we are justified, scripture says, by his grace as a gift, right? This is as a gift without cause, not because God looked at us and said, you know what? Um, these are pretty good people and I need to give them a little help, right? That's not what we read in the scripture. It says that we are justified freely, but we are justified by his grace because of God's goodness, because of his love as a gift, right? We, we recognize as we read the first part of Romans that we are all guilty and we are all, my daughter's teaching me that like if you're texting and you put like a lot of letters at the end of it, it means like you're in a mess. And so we are so with like a bunch of O's, right? We are so, that's how it looks, so guilty, right? We're in a mess. We are so short of meeting God's righteous standard. And if we're to be justified, it has to be from some other way. And it is as a grift by his grace. It is undeserved favor. And it is free, right? But it is very costly. Some of our kids will get nice Christmas gifts this year. We might receive some of those kind of things. And when our kids open those up and maybe they're with their friends the next day and they're like, oh, you got whatever this is, a katana sword. And they're like, oh my goodness, how much did that cost? And our kids are like, oh, it's free. It's free. It was free. I got it free. But you parents that understand that know that it came at a cost, right, to the Father. And what we see in the midst of this is that we are justified freely by his grace, but that it came at great cost at the death of his son. It cost Jesus his life. The scripture says that we are justified by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ 
Jesus. Now, this, this word redemption, it's another word uh, that just says so much about what God has done for us through the cross of Christ. And, and we would read of those that would be in slavery. We could uh, see those that would be in a place that they were in so much debt that they were in slavery. And the way that that could work, the owner uh, could keep them in that for life, right? There was no way that they could ever do enough to get out of that, right? They could keep them just indebted, hopelessly forever, right? But that person that owned them, they could put them up uh, for auction, right? They could sell those slaves if he needed cash or if he just wanted to be done with that. And if someone was just incredibly kind, they could bid on that slave and, and they could purchase that slave for themselves. And then they could set that slave free. And, and what would we, we would see is that that slave would be redeemed. That slave would be freed from debt and from slavery. And what we know from the scriptures, right, is that all of humankind, right, that all all of us have been enslaved, right? And we are under, uh, we've been enslaved to sin, right? And there's this debt that we owe that we could not pay. And the law of God says punishment must come, right? The law demands payment in order for us to be considered righteous, in order for us to be just in his sight. The law demands those things and we need a redeemer. We need someone that would pay our debt, right? And according to the gospel, what we understand is that we are justified freely by his grace, that we are declared righteous and that we've been redeemed through the blood of a lamb and that we, through the blood of Christ, right, we have a redeemer who has paid our debt in full. By God's grace, we've been justified. We've been declared righteous just as if we had never sinned, right? That's what justified. I remember people saying that. Old preachers would say, hey, it's just as if you had never sinned. But I want you to understand that it's even more than that. It's not only just as if we had never sinned, but God treats us just as if we had always obeyed, just as if we had lived that perfect life because Jesus lived that life, the life we could not live. And by God's grace, we're justified and we have been redeemed. The debt has been paid and we have been set free. Let's read verse 24 and 25 together. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over sins previously committed. This word propitiation, uh, it's a word that, that would mean payment that satisfies, right? We, we understand in this passage, it says it was a public display to display, uh, to demonstrate, right, or to show God's righteousness. And so we see the atonement of Christ, the work of Christ on the cross. It satisfied the wrath of God, which demanded justice for sinful humanity, right? And, and in this passage, it says that, that he demonstrated his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over sins previously committed. So God demonstrates his righteousness, the atonement of Christ, the finished work of the cross, right? The work that God did, it satisfies the wrath of God, demands, the wrath of God demands judgment. Uh, there's this justice that has to be for humanity's sin, but in God's mercy, he delays payment. In God's mercy, aren't you glad that in his mercy that he delays payment, that his forbearance is there? We see God's mercy. We see God's grace. And it says, for the demonstration in verse 26, I say of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So through the cross, the righteous God, right? He makes the unrighteous righteous without compromising his own 
righteousness. Now, that's, that's like a lot in a, in a word, right? The, our righteous God, he makes the unrighteous righteous without compromising his righteousness. Because what we know is that he is the just and the justifier. He is, is, is the judge, right? He is the righteous judge. And he could not allow sin to go unpunished. What would we think of a judge? What if there was a judge in our area, right, that, that was allowing people who had murdered and raped and hurt and, and, and took innocent life, right? What if a judge would allow those people just to stand before them and say, you know what, everybody messes up. You can go free. There's no punishment. There's no thing. What would we think of that, right? We would think that they were an unjust judge. But what we see on the cross of Christ is that God is just. We see justice on the cross, but we see in God's great love and in his mercy, he provides the substitute. He provides a sacrifice. He pays the debt that we owe. He is just and the justifier. And because of this, he makes a way for unrighteous people who believe in Jesus, people who has faith in God. He enables us to be made right with God. And he does it without contradicting his own nature. There's a lot in this passage, right? We through the finished work of the cross, when we believe and place our faith in Jesus, we receive his righteousness. We are given the very righteousness of Christ, and we receive this gift through faith in him. See, the last thing I want you to see today is we are made right by his grace through faith. See, faith is believing and trusting. Faith is believing and trusting God. Faith is this picture of us recognizing, right, when we place our faith in Christ and we believe, right, we recognize that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died in my place. When we read in the Scripture that Jesus died for our sins, what we see is that he is dying in our place. And when we believe, right, we are trusting, we are believing. And it's this picture of us taking and putting our whole Wait in him. It's this picture of us saying, you know what? I'm trusting him with everything. I'm taking all of my faith, everything that I have, I'm believing, and I'm putting my whole weight in what Jesus has done on the cross. He has done everything that needs to be done in order for me to be made right with God. And I am believing wholeheartedly in him. See, we simply receive that gift. By faith. You know, when we think about the work of the cross, think about the gift of grace that God has given us, I'm reminded that that gift, that any gift really does no good to its recipients unless they receive it. Kason, come up here. You're, you're right here. Come here just a second. Borrow my joke guy for just a second. I want you to come up here just a second. And Chris, you come up here um, with him now. I want you to turn around here for just a second. And when we think about faith, you can stay down there on the bottom and stay a little bit further back if you would. Let's make it hard. I don't know if you want him too far back. Turn around. You can see kind of how far he is. All right, now you face this one. Um, you know, when we think about trusting God and putting our 
faith in him, when I say this, this picture of us putting all of our weight, putting everything on him, it's this thought that says, you know what? I believe so much, right, that I'm trusting God with my life. And I put my whole weight on the finished work of the cross. There's nothing that I could do to earn it. The scripture says that it is by grace through faith that we are saved, that not of works, lest anyone should boast. We look to the cross and we recognize that what Jesus did on that cross, he did it in my place and it counted for me. And I believe, you know, the way that we are made right with God. And Paul gives us this beautiful picture in the beginning part of Romans. He says, we recognize that apart from Christ, we're in a mess, right? We're under the condemnation, the just condemnation of God. And in order for you to be made right with God, you've got to understand that you were lost. You got, before you can be found, you've got to, you've got to understand God, in the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that you are a sinner separated from God. You are lost. Without Christ, you are hopeless. There's nothing that you could do on your own. And you admit that you're a sinner and you believe. And you look to the cross and you say, when Jesus died on that cross, it counted for me. And I'm putting all of my weight. I'm trusting him with my life. Now, your dad's behind you. Don't look. Don't look. Look right here. Your dad's behind you, right? Yeah. Does he love you? Yes. Is he strong? Yeah. yeah? <laughs> the answer is yes. Is he strong? Yes. Yes, like really strong. Show us your muscles, Christian. He's been working out, hasn't he? See, he's strong. You believe that he loves you and that he's strong. So you believe that even though he's, there's a little distance right there now and you're kind of separated from your dad, that if you were just to close your eyes, you would just kind of not even worry about what's going on back there. If you were just to fall back, do you believe your dad would catch you? <laughs> Think he needs to be a little closer? Maybe take one step in? <laughs> Think he'd catch you now? I think he would. But ultimately, right, in order for, for Casey to demonstrate that he truly has faith that his dad would catch him, he's going to have to be willing to put his whole weight on him. And that's hard to do, isn't it? What if he gets a little closer? Now. Because here's the thing. Casey knows that his dad loves him, and he knows that he's pretty strong, but there's limitations in what he can do. But he's willing, I believe, to put his whole weight on him. So let's see. Let's show us you're willing. Right? You can take him on with you. But here's the thing, that the gap between the righteousness of God is infinitely great. The separation is so great. But I want you to know that we have a God who is so big and so mighty, right? And a God who is able. He is able. And he demonstrated on the cross of Christ his great love for us. And we don't have to worry if he is strong enough to catch us. We don't have to worry if his sacrifice was good enough. Jesus, he took on flesh, right? I want to I read just another, a few little verses in Romans. They're all so good, I can't skip them. Romans 8 says this in Romans 8. He says, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. For 
what the law could not do, weak as it was through flesh, God did. Now, I want you to look at what God did. This is beautiful, right? God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Jesus came and he said in the likeness of sinful flesh. Notice the wording that he did not come sinful, right? Jesus never sinned. He lived the perfect life that we could not live, but he took on flesh and he came in the likeness of our flesh with the temptations and things that we face, but he lived a sinless life and he died in your place and in my place on the cross of Christ. And he says, whoever would believe in him, whoever would, just like Cason, would just put their full weight and trust in him. Those people, those people would be saved. They would be declared right with God, even though they don't deserve it, even though they've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we can trust that if we've been made right with God, and there's some of us in this room that we look at our lives and we, we wonder, could God really forgive me for all those things that I've done? Could God really use me? Could God allow me really to walk in freedom in the power of the Spirit of God? And the answer is yes, the work of the cross was sufficient to save us. The grace of God it was, was sufficient to, uh, to save us. And it is sufficient to carry us through, to walk by faith, to live in him.